Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. It's been a great series so far. We've actually taken the story of Jacob wrestling God. You might have read that story when you were younger. Maybe you went through Sunday school when you were going to church when you were a kid or something, and you've heard that story about how Jacob wrestled God, right? Some scholars say an angel. Some scholars say it's God. Hosea, the prophet, if you go and read in Hosea, Hosea actually says he wrestled with God. The person who he wrestled with said it was God. So who knows? But we're, we're drawing out uh, some incredible, incredibly important principles that will help us uh, in our Christian walk, in our following Jesus every single day. And I kicked off this series by giving you some history and context for Jacob's life. Jacob was born a twin to his brother named, we all remember his brother's name was what? Esau, right? Esau meant red and hairy, right? And Jacob meant heel grabber. When he was born, he was, they call him Jake. See, think about this. You wonder if your parents really thought about naming you, right? Did you ever think that? Like, do you, do you know if your parents did some deep research into your name before they named you? Or did they just name you that name because it was just like a really cool name? Or maybe it's a name that's been in your family for a long time. Like my name, my name, Christopher. My mom named me Christopher. And, uh, and I didn't know what Christopher meant until I got into my teen years and started following Jesus. But, but Christopher means Christ follower. Come on, if that's not prophetic, right? My mom named me Christ followers. Every time I was getting in trouble, she's like, you're a Christ follower. You're a Christ follower, right? And then when I turned 17, I gave my life to Jesus. I became a Christ follower, right? But, so Jacob, Jacob's name, he's born second. He's born grabbing the heel of Esau, and they name him heel grabber. Jacob, heel grabber, deceiver, surplanter. So Esau, red and hairy, Jacob's deceiver, surplanter, right? Now, if you were here or if you read the story, you know the deal. Jacob ends up deceiving his, his father into getting the family blessing, right? He, sell, he, he, gets, he tricks uh, Esau to sell his birthright. He goes away. There's this crazy life that happens. Pastor Kim talked more about that last week. Crazy life happens, but on his way back home, upon returning home, he's going to return, but he knows he has to deal with his brother before he gets there because, like you, if your sibling robbed you and stole everything that's yours away from you, you'd be a little upset, wouldn't you? Right? You would be a little upset. Like if, 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 if your parents had $10 million and you were supposed to inherit $9.5 million and the second son inherits $500,000 and he somehow tricked you and now all of a sudden he's walking around with your $9.5 million, you're going to be mad. Amen? Come on. I know you love Jesus and we're in church and you're acting churchy, but you'd be mad, right? And so that's what happened. And so he knows Esau's mad at him. He sends people ahead of him. He gives him a bunch of gifts and says, you know, hey, look, take all this gift that I bought with your money that I stole from you, and let's call it a truce. <laughs> and, and the guy returns back to him and says, hey, I, ga- I gave your message to your brother. Your brother's on his way with 400 soldiers. I think they're going to kill you. <laughs> and so Jacob starts getting into fear and worry, and, 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 and it says that at, at a certain time at midnight, uh, a, a guy comes and he wrestles with Jacob. And he wrestles with Jacob. And when we see that in this wrestling match with this guy and Jacob, um, they wrestle for hours. And, and Jacob finally asks him, he says, I want to be blessed. The guy says to him, what's your name? He says, Jacob. He says, I want to be blessed. The guy blesses him. Right? He goes from there. He leaves him with a wounded hip. He touches his hip, knocks it out of socket. How many know? That's a, that's a hard touch, isn't it? You know, your hip joint's like one of the strongest joints in your body. For someone to touch your hip joint and knock it out of socket, that's a pretty tough hit. And you read the story, right? 
And you can sometimes think, well, if I'm wrestling with God, does that mean God's trying to displace my hip? Does it mean when I wrestle with God, he's trying to bring me to a point of just absolute and incredible pain? And we saw that that's not the case, that the story is not necessarily to be read at such a literal level, but really as an allegorical level. What does it look like when you wrestle with God, right? What is God, what's the purpose? See, when Jacob wrestled with this God, when Jacob was wrestling with God, he wasn't wrestling necessarily with a human being as much as he was wrestling with himself, See, when we wrestle with God, that's what we do. When we wrestle with God, we spend our time really wrestling with ourselves. You see, our God is a good God, amen? That's a true statement. You can say amen on that. God is a good God. God desires you to have an abundant life. God wants your life to be incredible. It did not say he wants your life to be absence of hardship. You're going to have hardship. Amen. You're going to have bumps and and things in your life. It's going to happen. But God wants you to continue to press through that and experience life in its fullness. And in order to experience that life in the fullness, there has to go, there has to, there has to be this wrestling match that we have. We have to wrestle with God. And we saw that there are three particular areas that we we wrestle with, right? We saw that you first you have to kind of wrestle with your past. Some of us don't want to wrestle with our past. Then you wrestle with your now, right? And you're gonna wrestle with your future. And so the next week, Pastor Kim talked about wrestling with your past. And I don't know if you were here for it, but we had some technical issues last Sunday, and so she got to re-preach that message again on Wednesday. And I'm going to tell you, both times she preached it, it ministered to me. Like, it blessed my heart. We got it recorded. It's online. You can check it out. But wrestling, wrestling with your past is an important thing. You see, when he asked Jacob, what is your name? Who are you? What is your name? Jacob said, Jacob. He came to grips with his past. He had to admit that I'm the deceiver. I'm the heel grabber. I'm the supplanter. And he wasn't able to move past where he was at until he could admit where he had come from and who he was. Jacob, we talked to this wrestling terminology, the heel and wrestling. We said week one, if you're WWE fans or whatever, a heel is, is the bad guy. And wrestling, Jacob found out that he was the heel. He was the bad guy in that wrestling match. But as he wrestled with God, he came to grips with it, and he admitted who he was and where he had been. God goes on and says, you'll no longer be called Jacob. You'll be called what? Israel, right? And Israel means God prevails. And so Pastor Kim helped us see that when we spend time wrestling with our past, even though it's hard, we make room for God to prevail in our future. We make room. So that was the first two weeks. Again, I encourage you to go back and check it out. You can check it out on the Journey Church podcast on all your podcast platforms. You can watch it at the, on the website online at thejourneychurch.cc. But you want to check it out. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to the scripture. Genesis 32, 22 through 31. We'll probably read this again every week that we're doing this. we got one more week after this. My buddy Rob Schwartz is going to be preaching next week. That's going to be a fun time, so don't miss that. All right, so verse 22. And it says this, during the night, Jacob got up and took, two, took his two wives, strange times, and his two servant wives, even stranger times, and his 11 sons, and they crossed the Jabbok River with them. Keep going. It says, and after taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Keep going. It says, this left Jacob what, church? Come on, this left Jacob what? All alone. It left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. 
And when the man saw he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and then reached it out of socket. And then the man said, let me go, uh, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you what? Unless you bless me. Sometimes we got to be willing to hold on and wrestle long enough to see the outcome, right? So keep going. He said, what's your name? The man asked. He said, he replied, Jacob. Keep going. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with man and have won. He says, please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named that place Penal, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. It says the sun was rising as Jacob left Penal, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. All right. So I have some things I want to share with you this morning. I believe they're going to connect with you. Uh, I believe they're going to minister to your heart. I believe they're going to stretch you a little bit. Y'all are not, that's not a foreign concept, is it? Every time I preach, I'm like, I'm going to stretch your thinking. And some of you are like, oh, I've heard it all. And then you walk away and you're like, I have not heard that. So that was, that was special. Um, but that's okay. So I, I want your hearts to be open and, and just ready to receive this. When, when we read, listen, when we read this story, what do we notice about this story? Very, very top level, very surface level. What do we notice about the story? First of all, is the story current? Is the story happening right now in this moment? No. This story happened when? Long ago. It happened in the what? It happened in the faraway land. It did, yes. It happened in a far, far away land in the past. It happened in the past. And it was told through oral tradition. It was passed down through oral tradition, one generation after another generation, until finally the Jews, they, they took it and they transcribed it. They put it into writing and made it a part of the scriptures. It sounds crazy to say this, but the, that moment is not real. Now, when I say that moment's not, see, I already knew it. See, here we go. You're thinking this morning. When I said that moment's not real, you're like, oh, you're saying that didn't happen? But is that what I said? No, I didn't say it didn't happen. I said that moment's not real in that you can't do anything about that moment any longer, can you? Can you go back and change that? Can you go back and tag team with Jacob and beat the, the angel down? Can, can you do anything? like You can't touch it. It's in the past. It's not real any longer. And that's important to understand. Because much of what we are wrestling in our lives, listen, is not real. The effects of what we're wrestling is real, right? Because we feel those effects in this moment right now, right? You can feel so. So if I go to to see Senor, I love see Senor. Oh my goodness, see Senor, hey, right? Thank you, thank you. See, right down the street, so good. And I go in there and I get I get chips and salsa, and I get this big shrimp burrito, right? Shrimp burrito, and I eat that shrimp burrito, and in that moment, it's delicious. But when I wake up the next moment, bloated, my stomach making sounds. That burrito is no longer real, but the effects of that burrito is real. Do do you track with me? Okay. So so let's think back to this wrestling match 
with Jacob, right? He was led by the Lord to return home. He knew his brother could potentially be upset with him, right? He stole $9.5 million or something like that. You'd be upset too. And he was worried about what was going to happen. In that whole scenario, what part was real? What part was real? The moment in which he's making his decision. That's the part that's real. In the whole scenario, that's the part that's, that's real. The moment he makes the decision. I know some of you are like, you sound like a philosophical pothead right now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember back when you were younger and you used to have those deep conversations with some people? Y'all never did that? Y'all are incriminating yourselves right now. I remember having conversations like that when I was a teenager. I was, su- I was super smart when I was high. I'm just going to let you know. What, y'all don't think I have a past either? I wasn't always a pastor. Man, you get so deep, so philosophical when you're in that spot, right? Like, I remember watching a music video by the band Live one night. I was watching the band Live. Y'all remember the band Live? Yeah. And it hit me in that moment right there that they're evil. Because if you take Live and you spell it backwards, it's evil. <laughs> so, so, I know, so I know that's what you're kind of drawing that equation right now. But just hear me out. I promise you it's not as crazy and as far-fetched as you think it is. See, when we look at our past and we look at our future, we tend to look at it like this. Show that first slide. There's a fork in the road. Every one of us, every single day we wake up and we have to make a decision. We have to make a decision every single day. Am I going to deal with something in my past or do I want to deal with something in my future? And nine times out of ten, most of us want to deal with something what? Y'all want to deal with your past? <laughs> I'm like, y'all, really? Y'all are good people. <laughs> Most of the time, well, I want to deal with something in my future because in my mindset, the future is always brighter than the past. Isn't that right? So you, every single day, this is what we think happens. Every single day we think that I'm going to wake up, I have a decision to make, I'm going to choose the future. It's better and brighter over here. It's darker in the past. I want to stay away from it. The problem with that is that's not how it works. And you know it's not how that works. Because here's the deal, when we refuse to deal with the past, like like Pastor Kim was talking about last week, when you refuse to deal with the past, your past finds its way into your future. Because here's the thing, wherever you go, there you are. And if you won't deal with what you dealt with in the past, if you won't deal with the things that took place in your past, they will find themselves in the future. How, how many of you ever met someone? Don't raise your hand and don't even point them. Don't nudge them if they're sitting beside you. But have you met somebody who always seems to pick the wrong relationship? They always seem to pick the wrong person. And it's, see, look, the person can have different hair color. The person can have a different job. The person can, can live in a different house, a different city. But at the end of the relationship, it's always the same person. They did me just like the other person did. Well, is it, is it, that, is it really a conspiracy that all the bad people who act just alike and look just like and talk just like and live just like all have honed in on you? Or is it, could it just be that, that you are the common denominator. When we don't deal with our past, if we don't do the hard work that it takes to deal with our past, that's what happens. We, we continue to relive our past and our future. 
And so here's the problem. Show that next slide. This is what it really looks like. You see, when we live in the past, we won't deal with it, but when we live in the past, we end up worrying about our future. Have you found yourself doing that? See, see, you live in the past. You, like she talked about last, you care for. I know it sounds like you're preaching about wrestling with the past a little bit, but it's relevant for what we're talking about now. Listen, when you live in the past, you will worry about your future. That's what people think. I'm going to wake up every morning. I'm going to choose the future. But if you're not dealt with the past, that's what it looks like. But what needs to happen is this. Show, show the next slide. What we need to do is we need to learn from our past. We learn from our past so we can dream about the future. Do, do you understand? Learning from your past means you face it. Learning from your past means you start dealing with it. Learning from your past requires all sorts of stuff that she talked about last week. You might need a pastoral counselor. You might, uh, myself, Kim, uh, you, you might need a professional counselor. You might just need to take the chance to turn around and face it. But when you start learning from your past, you can dream about your future. You can dream about your future. He said, and this is important, again, because it's brave, to face your past, isn't it? Sure it is. Sure it is. And a lot of times we don't want to face our past because we want to we want to look at it and say, well, that means I'm X, Y, and Z because this is what I did. I'm still holding on to what I did as my identity. I'm still holding on to, to what I did as who I am. And, and what you did is not who you are. But until you face what you did, you're always going to deal with what you did. Does, it, does that make sense? Okay. I want to go back to Genesis 20 or 32, verse 27, real quick. Genesis 32, verse 27. Wrestling with the angel. He says to him, he says, what is your name? The man replied, the man asked. And he replied, Jacob. He replied, Jacob, what do you do in the now? He had a choice. It was a now moment. Right then was a now moment. What do you do? And Jacob looked back. He acknowledged who he was. And then he goes on to say, and this is so incredibly important. He goes on to say in verse 32. I'm sorry, verse 28, chapter 32. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel because you fought with God and with man and have won. God gives Jacob a new name, and that name means God prevails. Now, hang in there with me. From that moment forward, Jacob always has a choice. Jacob can be who he was, or he can stand in who he is. Every day, Jacob has a choice. Today is the only day in my life right now that is real. This moment I'm living in right now is real. That's it. And I have a choice every single day. I can own and be and call myself what I've done, or I can call myself who God has called me. Now, calling myself who God's called me to be does not negate the the things that I did wrong in my past. In other words, it doesn't absolve me of the consequences of my actions. Did we understand that? There's still consequences. But it's when I know who I am, in this moment, that I can conquer and deal with the consequences. 
Does that make sense? So, so from every, every moment, from here on out, you, you have a choice. Do you call yourself Jacob? You can admit what you've done, but that is not who you are. Do you call yourself Israel? Do you call yourself God has prevailed, that God prevails? It's important to know, who do you call yourself? That's the question I'm posing to you this morning. Who do you call yourself? What do you call yourself? Some of y'all maybe have come up in church and never heard anything like this. The only thing you've been called is what you do wrong. Maybe it's the way it was in your household growing up. What you've been called is what you did wrong. But what is more important is what God has called you, who God says you are. Because if you're not grounded in this, you will flee and run from your past. I remember, I remember my life. I had this moment with God. Y'all know pastors aren't perfect. Like, we've been here a while. We know. Y'all know you do. But I remember this one time. Listen, this is a true story. I remember having this stuff in my life. You see, I carried some things with me in my life, carried some things with me into my marriage, into my relationship with my wife that I had kept, kept hidden from her. And I remember in this moment, uh, dealing with this moment, me and God, and, and I was having to wrestle the very same things we're talking about right now. I had to wrestle my past, right, in the now. And I remember praying. I was walking around, and I was praying and talking to God. And I said, Lord, if I share this with her, she might do X, Y, and Z. And he said, yes. But I don't want her to do X, Y, and Z, so I want to keep this hidden. And he said, no. That's not fair. But I'll never forget. He said, he said Chris, he said, as long as, you're, as long as you're worried, listen, he said, as long as you're worried, about hurting your wife or being exposed, as long as you allow those to be your identity, hurting your wife or, or being exposed, he said, you will spend the rest of your life concealing and never revealing. You'll spend the rest of your life concealing and never revealing. And the issue with that is, the issue with that is this, is, is, is it's like, well, I'm 99% known. That's great. If you're 99% known, you still got 1% unknown. And what does that mean? You still are partly unknown. I know it got deep, didn't it? Come on, we'll pick it back up. Look, here's, here's what this part comes at. We're going to pick it back up. Who God has called me to be, who God has said I am, is the foundation upon which I was able to stand on and do the thing that I need to do, wrestle with my past so it doesn't keep following me into my future. But let me just give you some names that God has called you. And I want you to grab a hold of this. Seven things, seven names. I want you to listen to me. Seven names, seven things. See, God has called you sons and daughters. God's called you sons and daughters. You need to write that down. Some of your family lives have been dysfunctional growing up. You need to write that down. I'm a son and I'm a daughter. Look what it says. 2 Corinthians 6.18. Says, he says, and I will be your what? Mm, I will be your what? 
I will be your father. Not the father like you had on earth. Some of our fathers weren't great. But he said, I will be the picture perfect image of a father. He said, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You you will be my sons and daughters. Do you know how amazing that is? Oh, it's so funny. Listen, how you have kids. How were your kids before they shouted in your face, I hate you? (laughs) You don't have to answer that question. But have you ever had your kids shout that to you? No, if you haven't, you're a stellar parent. Good job. Great job. So my, my son Caden's told me that when we were, he got in trouble when he was younger, about seven years old. He said, I hate you. That wrecked me. My firstborn, that wrecked me. Like, how could you hate me? I followed him upstairs. Do you know how good of a father I am to you? Give you everything. You know them Legos you got in your room? I bought them for you. He's six years old, seven years old. Like, like I had that. T- I had a time with God. I had that, I had a friend of mine said, "Hey, bro, you know you should never take that personally, right? Because he's gonna love you by dinner time when you give him ice cream for dessert." But it wrecked me the very first time I heard him say that. And then, and then my middle son. Now he's 16 years old. Now my middle son, Micah, he's he's. 11 years old now, right? He's 11, and it was about the same age. I took, I took a game away from him, a video game. I hate you, Dad. And at that point, I was like, well, you're grounded. You hate me? You're grounded. For three weeks, you're grounded. That's how I dealt with it with my middle kid. And then God did some more work on my heart. And listen, my, my daughter, my beloved princess, Oh, she is my princess. She's eight years old, nine years old. She tells me the other day when I told her she had to do her chores, she said, I'm doing them, Dad. Gosh. I'm like, don't gosh me, JoJo. She turned around. She walked upstairs. She goes, I hate you. And I looked at her and I laughed. I said, you do. I love you. I did make her so mad. She slammed that door. So yeah, you need parenting advice, Pastor Chris. My point on all that to say this. Watch. This is why this is important. Get to the point. I got 10 minutes. Get to the point. This is why it's important. Did my son and my daughter telling me that they hate me, did that make them? Did that no longer make them my my child? Come on. It no longer, it, it, they're still my kid. They're still my child. Did their actions of not doing things just right and not doing their chores and, and not acting, did, did that stop them from being my child? No, they're still my child. Period. They're still my child. And can I just encourage you this morning? That's what you need to understand. No matter how crazy you are, you're still God's child. No matter how much you say, oh, I don't want to be you, I'm an atheist. Well, you're still God's child. He's still looking at you and like, bless your stupid heart. <laughs> you know, that. I don't think he probably said that. 
Bless your heart. Bless your heart. You know what I do believe? I'm an atheist, God. I don't believe in, I don't believe in God. And he probably responds, I don't believe in the same God you believe in anyways. Most people who are atheists, they just don't believe in the, the God that the church has been hitting on for a while now, right? They, you ever notice they, they like Jesus? That's a whole other message. We'll, we'll, go, we'll come back to that another time. So God's called you a son and, uh, sons and daughters. Come on, I got to keep going. Y'all stop playing around. All right. You, do you know what he else said? You know what else he said? This is what he said. He said, God has called you forgiven. 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 Right? Forgiven. In Romans chapter 4, verse 7 8, my favorite scriptures in the Bible right here. Oh, for what joy. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is what, church? Forgiven. Whose sins are put out of what? Sight. Watch this. Verse 8. Come on. You're slowing down. Verse 8. It says, yes. Yes. What joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Another translation says, another translation says, uh, blessed the man whose sins the Lord will not impute against him. That's good news. You are forgiven. You don't know my past. I don't know your past, but I know God has called you forgiven. I know people that you've hurt might not forgive you, but God has forgiven you, and that's a starting point for you to stand on to begin to work on reconciliation to those that you've hurt. I am forgiven. Will there ever be a moment in your life where you're not forgiven? Watch, I'm going to blow your minds. Ready? Is there ever a moment in your life where you won't be forgiven? The answer is no. Why? Because God is love, and love keeps no records of being wrong. God has, God has made you complete. God has called you complete. You are complete. Don't buy into the lie, the Jerry Maguire lie. Y'all remember that lie from that movie? Y'all remember that movie? I need to find more relevant movies. But that one works. Jerry Maguire, Renee Zellwinger, remember that? And he walks in. They have this moment, and he walks, and he says what? You complete me. You complete me. As if you were a half a person before you met the other person. You're not a half a person. You're a whole person. You're not lacking anything. If I was smarter, if I was thinner, if I had more muscles, if I had a better job, if I had more money, you're not lacking anything. You are complete in Christ Jesus at this moment, and that gives you the confidence to stand, the ability to stand as you're moving through life. You are complete. Colossians 2.10 says, so you are complete through your union with Christ, and he is the head of every rule and authority. Come on, let's keep going. Watch. God has called you loved. You are loved. Do you hear that? What do you call yourself? God calls you loved. Look what it says in Romans 8, 38 and 39. He says, for I am convinced, I am convinced, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's what? Love. I want you to hear it. Nothing can separate you from God's love, neither death nor what? Life. Did you hear that? When you die, you're still loved. When you're screwing it up in life, you're still loved. Not angels. No angel can wrestle it away from you. No demons can wrestle it away from you. Not your fears for what? Today or your worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell or Hades can separate us from God's love. 
says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be able to convince God that you are unlovable. Listen to me. Nothing in creation can convince God that you are not worthy of love. I'll just let that sit for a second. That nothing can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, so how do you know? Well, it says it up there. It says it up there, right? Um, but he said, revealed in, in Christ Jesus. How do I know God loves me and it will never be taken away from me? Nothing can ever take it away. How do I know that? Well, because of Sunday school answer, church. Jesus. Yeah. You're loved. Look, keep going. This is important. I'm almost done, I promise. Hey, 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 hey. He's called you his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. Y'all need to hear that. Verse, uh, Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, for we are God's what? Masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. You are, you are perfectly made. You are a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things. He's already planned long ago. Long ago, you're a masterpiece. Look, watch. Uh, God says this about you. He calls you holy and blameless. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, even before he made the world. Oh, my God, listen to that. Even before, where are you at? You got it? You got to hear this. Here it is. Oh, nope. Here, here, Ephesians 1 4. I'll just read it. Y'all can just trust me. It, well, it says, even before he made the world, God loved us. Did you hear me? God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. When did he do that? Before the foundation of the world. When did he do Before creation. Before you had a chance to prove that you're faithless. He chose to call you loved and say he's holy, she's holy, and he's blameless, and she's blameless before me. That is how strong my love is for them. You are holy and blameless when it comes to you and God. God has called you chosen. Oh, here it is. God's called you chosen before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1.11, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work according to his plan. You are chosen. Anybody else been picked last when, when they're playing dodgeball in school? Do you ever get picked last? Y'all are all the ones that did not pick me. We're like, I never got picked last because you were the one that didn't pick me. Man. That's, you just... Just work out all this stuff out here. Just work it all out here. But you were chosen. There's never a moment where you're the last one picked with God. There's never a moment where you're the last one picked. Not because you don't have athleticism or smarts or anything. You're never the last one picked for God. I love watching people. Uh, I love watching God show off in people, man. People who the world says, impossible. God says, watch me. Uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
See, you don't have the right credentials. You don't have the right education. You didn't grow up in the right neighborhood. You didn't come from money. You went to jail. Whatever the case is, God says, watch what I do with this, right? You are chosen. You are chosen. You see, being grounded in who God has called you to do in this moment right now gives you the confidence to turn around, identify your name, and face your past. It gives you the ability to identify your name, call yourself by who God's called you, and, and plan for the future. It's the moment you need right now to lay a hold of your identity. Your identity in Christ allows you to choose which road you're going to take and how you're going to take it every single day. Every single day. Man, in 2018, I had... I recorded this video, right? Don't put it up there yet. But I, I recorded this video. And um, so my son, Micah, y'all know, my son, Micah, is, is musically gifted. He, he plays everything and anything. Picks it up, learns by himself, plays, sings. He's got a little raspy blues sound to him. He sings all sorts of stuff. I got, I got videos upon videos upon videos of Micah doing all sorts of stuff when he was younger. Since diapers, yeah. But in 2008, Look, 2008, my little princess, before she said she hated me, in 2018, my little princess, she came up to me in, in my bedroom, and she said, Daddy, I want to sing a song. And I said, okay, JoJo, well, what song do you want to sing? She said, um, who you say I am? I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll record you, because she knows she saw me recording Micah. And I said, I'll record you. She said, no, I want to sing it with you. I want you to sing it with me. And I said, okay. And so I picked her up and held her. And I said, are you ready? And she said, yeah. I said, all right, let's go. And we started singing. But I want you to watch this. You got the video? Turn it Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Oh, I am who you say I am. Who thus sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. Good job. Man. 
<laughs> you know what was so amazing about that is I had picked the song for the worship set long before I knew I was going to find this video from 2018 and show this video. And then God all tied it together. He said, Chris, that's what you need to allow me to do with you, right? So sometimes I can know who I am. I know who I am in Christ, but sometimes I tend to forget it. And what I need is I need God to come alongside me and sing it with me. He says, you know, I'll help you sing it, right? You are chosen, right? You're, you're not forsaken, right? You're forgiven. Sometimes I need help. Just like I gave JoJo some help when she was singing it. Sometimes she can sing it by herself, but when she starts to forget, I come alongside and sing it with her in that moment. And we need to do that with God. We need to allow God to remind us in those moments who we are. Who we are gives us the ability to stand up in the now and make the decisions that are going to propel us forward in the life that God has for us. It's how you wrestle with your now. You learn who you are, and you go from there. Do me a favor. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to pray for you and wrap because I went a little bit long. Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your goodness. And I pray, Father, God, as we go throughout this week, that even that song, even if it's just that song that we leave here with, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Even if it's just that that's reverbing in our hearts, Father, I pray that you would give us, you would recall those lyrics. And, Father, you would help us to remember that we are forgiven, that we are chosen, that we are your masterpiece, God, that we are your sons and daughters, Father, that we are holy and we are blameless right now in this moment. Remind us, God, solidified in our hearts, Lord. Give us the confidence, Father God, to turn and face the past. Give us the confidence, Lord, to plan and look towards the future. Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your goodness. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. All right, guys, we'll see you next week.